Hi everyone and welcome to episode 7 of Because We Went to Therapy. I'm Emily. And I'm Ashley. And before we get to our interview today, we wanted to do another one of our uh, favorite games, Actually Curious Questions. So Ashley, can you tell everyone what the question of the day is? It's a burning question. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really serious. I need you to think a lot about it. What was your favorite candy from childhood and would you still eat it today? You really just you really just pull at the heartstrings, don't you, Ashley? Yes. <laughs> um, okay, my favorite candy was Snickers. Growing up, a hundred percent, I loved Snickers. Everything, Snickers ice cream, Snickers candy bars, Snickers Blizzard. Um, I totally would eat it today. I feel like I don't eat it a lot, um, but I totally would still eat a Snickers anytime. Yeah, I don't you, think Ash? I've. I don't think I knew that about you. I'm unpeeling the layers. Good to know. Now I know <laughs> what really to get you. really getting to the deep. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite candy from childhood, this is really specific, but Bunch of Crunch. Remember that you get at the movie theaters, like the crunch bar, but in little ball form? So yes, at the movie good. theaters. Yes, like elite candy. And you can get it at Blockbuster. TVT. Yes, you would go rent a movie on Friday night with your parents, get a bunch of crunch or a crunch bar, just like perfect weekend. And yes, I still eat it. I get it. Like every Christmas, it's in my stocking. It's just the best. So 100%, I'm still a bunch of crunch fiend. See, I didn't know that about you either. This is why we love this game because we're getting curious about each other. You know what my favorite candy is now, and it's controversial because people either hate it or they love it. Can you guess? Oh, uh, was it like a Babe Ruth bar or something? <laughs> no, but it's a Butterfinger. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I would give a Butterfinger like a 6 out of 10. It's Okay, that's that's high. Some people yeah. like give it like a three because it like it's sticky and gross and I'm like I love it oh really it's it's kind of like a cousin to the snicker bar I think it's kind of the same vibe I guess you could say same consistency got the caramel in there so I could see how you like both yeah I never thought about that but that makes sense (laughs) yeah thanks for helping me understand myself better (laughs) yes of course I'm just trying to psychoanalyze your candy um references here yeah (laughs) all right so we have an exciting guest today we have lahana vigliano she's a ceo of nuvitru wellness and she's a board certified uh clinical nutritionist she holds a bachelor of nutrition science and correct me if i'm wrong you just finished your master's in human nutrition Yes, I just finished. Okay, awesome. Congratulations on that. And then you're going to get your doctorate um, in the fall, correct? Yeah, I'm about to say, oh my gosh, no, it's not even done yet. But yes, the doctorate yeah. starts in October. So I'm I'm loving this break. Oh my, wow, yeah, I bet. Awesome. So much school. She specializes in all things hormones, gut health, women's health. So we're really excited to talk to her today about kind of like the intersection of mental health, women's hormones all that good stuff. So um, is there anything else you wanted to add just to know a little bit more about you before we get started here? Yeah. Um, I mean, my I my background was originally pre-med. Um, I've always like loved healthcare, um, even before I knew what it really was. Um, and then it wasn't until I was actually in it and I really started seeing the pill for every ill. Um, and I I don't even, it's not like I even knew about the holistic approach. I just intuitively felt that that was not the way we should handle health, or at least that's not exactly what I wanted to do either for a job. Like, I just didn't want to go somewhere and like just prescribe people pills and like, that's the solution. And at least when I was in school, like integrative and functional medicine, like was not a thing yet, not as it is now, Mm -hmm. more people know about it now, but it wasn't at the time. And so I was just like, I don't want to do this. And so I was forced to take a nutrition class. And even then I was still like, not that impressed, but I'm like, I can see where this is going. And then when I was actually into nutrition, then I fell in love with it and realized how powerful food is, um, and utilizing food as medicine. And I think also having kids so young, I was 18 when I had my son 
Mm-hmm. Um, that also helped pivot my thinking because I wanted to raise kids that were like not a statistic and that were healthy. And, you know, obviously the standard American diet isn't the best. Um, and that's where we all started. I don't know about you guys, but mm-hmm. I definitely remember eating all of the like stuff my mom would pack, like the this is so gross now, but pink snowballs. Do you guys remember those? Yeah. Or the cosmic like the brownies. Little, the little Debbies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so like we all kind of, I grew up on that and then my kids were starting to, and then I was just like, yeah, no, I, I don't want my kids to like have issues. So I think right. with just being a young mom and then that like understanding of where education was going. Yeah. I think that's what really went through me into like where I am today. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I feel like uh, kind of like the holistic approach to wellness has really taken off in the last couple of years, especially maybe just with social media becoming more prevalent and like people seeing there's other sides to being able to, especially like with gut health. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. I have had yeah. such a journey myself with, I've been diagnosed with probably every like inflammatory condition where there's like PCOS, fibromyalgia, like thyroid issues. So I totally understand. It's the worst. I know. So I'm, it's also amazing that, you know, you're actually certified. Cause I think there's so many people on social media too, that aren't and have like wellness accounts. And it's just kind of like, what and not that they necessarily don't mean well I'm sure not that they necessarily don't even like not mean well but it's like you could really hurt somebody by giving them the wrong info yeah I always get that too people ask like like oh I want to do what you do like what program did you do and I'm like I even though I will say my master's was and my doctorate will be but like my undergrad was pretty basic it's not integrative or functional at all by any means so yes, there's education of like old school stuff of like low fat and just like all the stupid stuff that was literally right. talked about in like the nineties. But I mean, there's still so much that you learn and that you still need to know. And even the most basic non-integrative like degree, but I just knowing from what I have learned, I know that there's no way people can learn all this in like a three or six month program and you become a nutritionist or people take their own journey, which I, I love that they have like such you know, they overcame PCOS or they overcame these things, but that still doesn't qualify them to help others because everyone is so different. So even if you did one PCOS diet, for an example, that doesn't mean that that's actually the right thing for the next person. And so um, I love that they have that passion, but I am definitely still a fan of like traditional degree programs, schooling for it. Um, and I definitely, I love school in general. So that's all. I was like, well, I just want to go all the way. Um, because yeah. I, it also forces me to stay like up to date with like research and all that stuff. Um, so that's one mm-hmm. love hate with it, but absolutely. I think, um, that's probably a little bit of a pet peeve and not even saying that <laughs> the most credentialed people are the smartest by any means. Actually, I could probably disagree with that too, but yeah, everyone, since everyone is so bio-individual, like, I don't know, you have to have that, like, background. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I could definitely relate to that, too, as a therapist, and just seeing how much mental health content is on the internet, and don't get me wrong, like, I love that people utilize social media to talk about their mental health, but I think, it be, yeah, it can become problematic when they're, like, do this, and it'll cure your depression, or do this, yeah. and it'll take away your anxiety, it's, like, while those are great, might be great tips, therapy and mental health is not a one size um, fits all. And I feel like that's the same thing with nutrition where it's just not one size fits all. And so, yeah, well, it's great that we're talking about these topics more on social media. It's, I always tell my clients, like, make sure you're getting your information from places that are certified and that are, um, they have the background in mental health because yeah, anyone can put anything on the internet and it doesn't always mean that it's right for you are going to actually help you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I totally agree with that too. I bet, I bet you see that a lot. I would say my other pet peeve too is, I hate saying this, um, but a lot of the multi-level marketing and they have like these health coaches, health, health coaches that come out of it. And it's really just selling a product. I'm like, Oh my God, it like kills me inside because I see a lot of these people after they do these things and their hormones are like shit show. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, cause there's so much intense caloric restriction or whatever it could be. It's just like, oh my gosh, that's probably like my biggest 
pet peeve is just like, please don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would definitely see that on social media, especially like when women have these issues, whether it's like PCOS or adrenal issues, thyroid issues, I feel like it can affect your mental health so much. And you're just like, I don't even know where to start or I can't find the right doctor or nutritionist for me or whatever the case may be. So you start researching stuff on social media and you have all these different messages from unlicensed people coming at you to the point where I was almost like, I don't know what to eat. I don't know what to do, what type of workouts I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to eat dairy or bread or like all these milk. I have to cut out entire food groups. Like, so I just stop eating. Like it's, it can be really difficult and take a real mental toll too. When you just have all this information coming at you and you just want to feel better and like with the MLMs like people can kind of take advantage of that unfortunately yeah 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 for sure I think the internet is it's so it's such a blessing but a curse all at the same time because it's like yay all the information we can get empowered and then like also oh no don't know how to decipher that for you um and I think too especially with social media we are so like physically driven so they're like oh they look good but if I, I could get a picture across to everyone is every single person that has walked into our practice that looked good and whether it's from an MLM thing they lost all this weight or honestly they're super fit like beyond super fit I actually find them being some of our most problematic people internally um, their hormones are chaotic they have a lot of inflammation you name it and so I wish I could tell people like please don't like just focus on that physical side that we see on social media, like, which is highlight reel, because I swear to you, probably internally, there's a lot of crap going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually find the healthiest being having like um women who have just a little bit of like pudge, like around the belly or whatnot. I actually find them being actually one of sometimes being the most like hormonally balanced. Um, Cause we do need like, need fat y'all <laughs> like right, we're not supposed right. to have like, like it's natural yeah <laughs> right mm-hmm. and that's the big thing about like being restrictive too I wanted to touch on that a little bit later yes. too with how being restrictive with your diet and your calories can so badly affect your hormones in ways that we don't even understand yes I love that question I think one of the biggest things I notice is like kind of we were talking about with the bio individual individuality like probably not everyone needs, you know, 1200 calories a day or like, you know, I'm assuming probably needs a lot more than that. Honestly, I'm pretty ignorant on it myself, not having the nutrition background. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Caloric caloric intake is so different for every single person. Um, It also depends on your movement. Like are you lifting a lot? Are you trying to gain muscle? Like, obviously you're going to have to eat more. Um, but I would, I always use the um, toddler example. So like a, just in perspective, a toddler needs 1200 calories. So I see a lot of women eating 1200 calories and then we're scratching our heads wondering why we think our body will think that it's a good time to bring in a baby and have balanced hormones when you're eating like a toddler, when we're a grown woman. Um, so use that next time you're eating 1200 calories, I want you to think like, I'm eating like a toddler and naturally we're going to be like, okay, that's a red flag. Like, no, you are a grown lady. You have a lot of working parts that we have to support. So I always recommend women, nothing under 1500, everything else after that, it just, it just depends. It just depends on the person. Um, but honestly, it definitely would naturally fall more along the lines around the 2000 mark more, little less. Um, even 1500 is like bare minimum. Like I don't even like being near that. Honestly, it still needs to be more, but I, if that's my cutoff, I'd give that a cutoff. But, um, I would say 95% of people that come to us are under eating and a lot of them don't even know it actually. (laughs) Um, cause the calls, (laughs) I talk to a lot of people. So the calls that I get Uh, which I definitely see a lot of themes. It's just like, I'm eating enough or I'm eating healthy. I'm eating three meals a day. Then you have the people that are fasting, which naturally it's just harder to get in the, in the food throughout the day. Um, But when we actually look at it and we aren't people that are obsessed with like numbers and calories and like macros, like honestly, like my goal is to not have you obsess over that because I want you to like live your life, but it is a tool that opens people's eyes who swear that they're eating enough 
And we're like, well, let's just do this for a couple days, like not long-term, but let's just take a little look-see. And they are, they're eating like 1300 calories, but they're like, I'm not hungry. I'm, I'm feeling really good. But I'm like, your body's so used to the amount that you're eating. Of course, you're not going to feel hungry. Um, and that's why when we have to like increase food intake, it takes a little bit because you're like body and stomach is so used to just eating that 1300. So we need to expand it and we need to like work towards actually eating more. Um, but that's why a lot of people are like, that is so weird. I'm so surprised because I swear I was eating enough. But when we under eat, we're increasing our stress hormone, which honestly is like the root cause to a lot of things <laughs> is our adrenals that makes our cortisol, our stress hormone. Um, it lowers our thyroid hormone, which therefore lowers our metabolism. So the whole like eat less, move more to like lose weight is absolutely wrong. Um, we actually need to eat to like lose weight, which is, I love, that's probably my favorite thing is when that clicks and they're like eating more and they're just like seeing their like weight go down and they're just feeling better. I'm like, yes, like food is, food is life. <laughs> yeah. love food. Um, and then, like I said earlier, like your reproductive system, your estrogen, your progesterone, all these hormones are viewing the world as dangerous because your stress hormone is up. So the last thing your body wants to do, which I know like a lot of us want babies and stuff, but to be honest, it's actually super elective. Like your body doesn't need to have babies to survive. So your body will always prioritize the important things that are going to keep you alive if you're under eating because it has, oh, holy crap, I only have this much energy. Like, where do we need it? We need it in our brain. We need it in our hearts. We need it in your liver. We need the things that are going to keep us alive. Your uterus and ovaries do not technically need to be there to keep us alive. So it starts prioritizing these things. And that's when all of a sudden we start seeing like crazy cycles and like low estrogen and low progesterone and ovulation and infertility and all that. Um, so it really is such a domino effect throughout the hormones. Um, it's pretty crazy. And it's just simple. Oh, I call it simple solution of just eating more. But I feel like a lot of women need to realize that's even an issue. Mm -hmm. And and as an eating disorder therapist, I feel like I say the same thing to my clients. Like we need to eat more, and it's not it's not as simple as that. But you know, we actually had a dietitian on last week, and we were talking about how restricting and dieting and uh, weight cycling are some of the biggest indicators of. Um, health problems. And so it's interesting um, from a gut and hormone specialist to be hearing very similar things about how uh, it makes sense, right? Because it's, it's, uh, it's the science. It's just yeah. fascinating pulling it all together. Do you often see with your clients that come in that do have uh, hormonal imbalances are also struggling with like mental health issues too, whether it's like brain fog, anxiety, things like that? Yeah, for sure. Um, especially just because there's such like a big gut brain connection. Like if anyone ever, I think the perfect way to put it is if you ever like me, like podcasts are fine, but public speaking, if I'm ever like in person public speaking, just know right about I go on stage, I either want to feel like I want to poop my pants or throw up. So <laughs> that is like the perfect like real life feel of like how intense our gut brain connection is. Um, and so there is a lot to that um, with caloric restriction. Um, there is a negative um, part that goes into our gut because we're not really allowing diverse slash enough amount of food um, to feed our microbiome because our little bacteria, like we're honestly just a walking bacteria. So basically we just need to feed our bacteria that feeds ourselves, um, which benefit hormone balance in the long run, et cetera. And all these other things, I feel like we've only like touched the tip of the gut ice iceberg of like what the gut actually does for us. Um, so anyone that says they know everything about the gut is lying because I feel like we barely know. We barely touched yeah. on the science with it. But um, yeah, I definitely see that there's a connection there. And again, it's going to prioritize the things that keep you alive. And I think too, and probably especially with therapy and mental health, you see how much stress affects people. Um, and that's just well, I think when people think about stress, they think of external things like I have a really stressful job or not a great relationship, but there's also the internal stressors we need to address, right? The gut imbalances, blood sugar imbalances, thyroid, and all, you know, all that stemming from like a subpar diet, whether it's like what you're eating or how much you're eating. Um, so it's pretty amazing just to see all the different connections and how everything is like 
fully together. And that's probably my biggest dislike with Western Med is that we try to separate the body into like neurology and cardiovascular when like it all like goes together. Works together. Yeah. Yeah. We can't separate it. No, you absolutely can. Yeah. In therapy, we, we know how uh, connected the mind and body is and just the effects that both your mind can have on your body and that your body can have on your mind. So it only makes sense that our gut and hormone health is also impacted by our mental health and vice versa. And it is so crazy in a world that tends to demonize food. It's actually the thing that can help a lot of different areas of our mental and physical health. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And by the way, I love therapy. I think everyone needs to go to therapy. So if anyone's not agreed, we need to go to therapy. Agreed. Even just once, just try it out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the different types of hormonal imbalances that you typically see in yeah. um, your work? Yeah. So I would say... Um, we see definitely hypothyroid is popping right now. I would say if anything, that's like what most people are like coming out of the woodwork with um, is hypothyroidism. Um, let's see. Estrogen dominance is another big one. So having like too much estrogen and that can be shown in having too much estrogen or not having enough progesterone because they are like besties and they need to balance each other out. So if you're not ovulating and not making enough progesterone, then you're also a considered estrogen dominant. Um, and then blood sugar imbalance for sure. Um, those, and then cortisol, which I actually see for um, stress. I see both actually three types. I see like super high cortisol. So that's when someone's like really stressed out. Um, I see also low cortisol, um, where their adrenals really aren't making anymore. I know that's kind of, that's called adrenal fatigue. I feel like that term is kind of looked down upon, even though like it's understandable. I get what they're trying to say and make it like late, super layman's terms. It's technically um, hypothalamus pituitary dysfunction. It's what it actually is HPA dysfunction. And um, so I see that. And then I also see where people's um, hormones with cortisol, their cortisol hormone is we're supposed to be like high in the morning and low at night. So it like gets us up, kicks us in the butt to get the day going. And then it goes super low to sleep at night. And I sometimes see this backwards. So people are dragging in the morning. So it's super low and then it's super high at night. So they're feeling like wired and tired. They want to go to bed, but they can't go to bed. So I see that like relationship flipped. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are some of the scenarios we see with um, adrenals. But with sex hormones, I always like to mention because everyone loves to jump into estrogen and progesterone and like just all the women hormones. But those are actually some of the last dominoes to fall, so to speak. Um, A lot of the times they are just reacting to everything else. So in order to balance those hormones, we need to look at stress hormone and blood sugar before we even look at sex, like sex hormones. And then even gut health before we even look at sex hormones. Um, So people were like, oh my gosh, I have estrogen dominance. And how do I work that? I'm like, well, we need to take a step back and really start peeling the layer. You're an onion, like in Shrek. Um, peeling back all the layers one by one. And that's like blood sugar, stress, gut, before we even like touch estrogen and progesterone. Because they just react to everything else. Mm-hmm. I know in the past, I've gotten my hormones tested a couple different times. And I've seen the results. It's like, oh, you're you know, have excess estrogen. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, how do I fix that? So yeah. it definitely is difficult just as a layman. Like if you get those test results and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? And that just brings me back to, you know, like health class in high school, you don't learn about the different hormones, especially as a woman, you don't know what estrogen is, progesterone. Like I'm sure it's probably not as well research because it is a woman topic and men don't have to deal with it but um, honestly though we never were taught about periods even in general like I I just think that's crazy to me especially knowing not just like the food and like cycle part but like as a woman like like yeah the luteal like luteal phase like how do women not know what does that that mean? mean 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I just figured out what that was like maybe two years ago when I read a book about it and I was like, Wow, yeah. I had no idea that my temperature changes throughout my cycle. I had no idea I was supposed to do, you know, maybe eat a little bit differently or my energy levels are gonna be different and that's normal. I feel like yeah. so many women would feel really validated if they if this knowledge was more integrated into like our education system I know I know um at least I know my daughter is gonna know exactly what's going on and so is my son <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. maybe it'll so, change it's so important because our as women our hormones are um so important right as yeah. I'm sure um you know and so it's it is crazy that we don't have a lot of education around our different hormones and how to help our hormones right like yeah. it's, we we know we have them but at, not, we might not know all the names but we know we have them but then how we help them and how we manage when we're on our period or not on our period or trying to get pregnant versus yes. not trying to get pregnant like there's just so much to our our bodies and obviously men have hormones too um but there's just so much to our bodies as women and so yeah we're we're so excited that you're on here and that you you know you have a whole business and you have your social media and you're doing all this work to talk more about how important hormones are and how to help um, your hormones yeah one of my favorite things is like cycle syncing like i i think exactly that validation of just knowing that it's normal to honestly just want to netflix and chill not in the sexual way literally netflix <laughs> and chill like right before you start bleeding like that is absolutely 100 percent normal and i feel like we are kind of taught that yes there's definitely pms hormone or pms symptoms that are not okay but it's crazy to think that we're taught that we should be the same throughout like we are absolutely on a roller coaster, like not mm. even joking. That is that when we're cycling, and then it's even like that in the grand scheme of things. Like, like taking a step back and seeing, like, you know, obviously when we're a little, we it's nothing. But then we hit puberty, and then we're in the reproductive phase, and then we're in the perimenopause stage, and then we're in the menopause stage, and like we're truly like you know going up and down. But I think cycle thinking, if that's definitely in move in both movement and food. Um, I wish that would be taught because so many teens are coming out of school and going into college and knowing if there's certain foods around certain times of your cycle and different ways you can shift your movement based on your cycle. Like that is awesome. That could be like life changing for someone. Yeah, absolutely. And in general, are there, you know, exercises or periods, say, even if you're just to split it into like before ovulation and after ovulation? Would you recommend like doing more high intensity stuff at a certain time or, you know, eating certain foods? Yeah. Part one or part two? Yeah, definitely. It, with movement, um, I'm such a fan of, I mean, chilling when you're in your like heavier bleeding days, but fl your follicular phase starts on day one of bleed and it goes to ovulation. So in those first two weeks, I like the hit and I like the heavy strength training and you'll naturally even feel energized. So I really think the term going with the flow is, is from this actually, because your estrogen makes us feel really energetic. So this is when that hit and heavy strength training is also around ovulation. You're also feeling it. So if you still want to do like hit and um, maybe a little bit of cardio, that's definitely okay as well. Um, but then as, um, your luteal phase, which is like ovulation to the day before your bleed. So that second half, this is when like, you're calming down a little bit, just getting even mood wise, you're just a little bit more introverted. You're just a little bit more chiller. I mean, so comes with that is like a chiller movement. So you want to do like yoga, or Pilates or swimming or walking, um, something that's a little bit more gentle as you like follow your mood with it. So, and then of course, right before your period, you might feel like low energy where you don't do anything and that's totally okay too. Um, again, that validation of like, this is absolutely very normal to mm -hmm. experience this and have that shift. Um, and it also helps with your stress hormones. So like if you're trying to go so hard and go against what your body is really trying to tell you, but it's just like, well, I have to, it's my goals or whatever. 
like that can actually backfire and then yeah create your cycles to be super wonky and delay ovulation etc but mm -hmm. um that's movement and then for food there's definitely some categories of food that i love to focus on um obviously when you're bleeding definitely higher iron iron heavy <laughs> foods iron um that yes that you need to be eating to replete that iron that you're losing. So big fan of like organ meats, grass fed beef, venison, all those red meats. Um, definitely. We do not work with vegan or vegetarian in our practice um, because we do believe that there is so much benefit to animal proteins. Um, and a lot of people that actually come to us tend to drive really well with them or they're having so many issues that they can't do maybe a lot of grains or legumes. And so, you know, then it starts getting really restricted. So um, definitely those high iron foods and pairing those up with um, citrus as well, because that helps absorb the iron. So just marinating your steaks and lemon or having some oranges, just pairing those up are really great. Um, and then having tons of healthy fats, coconut oil, wild caught seafood, avocados, flax seeds, um, just because how to make estrogen to make our sex hormones, we need the healthy fats. Like that is the backbone to creating sex hormones. So we definitely don't want low fat by any means, or you will have issues creating these hormones. Um, and then cruciferous vegetables are really great in that first half of your cycle. Um, these are like your broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels, kale, all of those foods, um, because those help like improve your estrogen metabolism. So after you're done with estrogen, it detoxes throughout the body, through your liver to your gut, and there's different pathways that can choose to go down. Um, sometimes more dangerous pathways that can damage DNA and increase your risk for breast cancers and all that, or it can choose majority of it should choose a protective pathway, which broccoli and cauliflower and all those cruciferous vegetables will help your body choose that pathway for estrogen, which is really cool. Um, so those are probably like the top three food groups for the first half of your cycle. And then in the second half, um, again, just kind of focusing in on B6 rich foods that help progesterone production. So those are going to be like wild caught seafood and eggs and sweet potatoes and then also electrolyte heavy foods as well. Um, this can be actually through supplementation. It doesn't have to be a food. So it could be like something like a LMNT element. I never know how to say that, but that's a, like an <laughs> electrolyte supplement you can do. Coconut water, avocado, just salting, please salt. I know we're like also taught in the old school nutrition ways, like reduce sodium. No, we need right. salt. And we need it so bad. And we definitely want to make sure that we're supporting that bananas, et cetera, because those things naturally fall in your luteal phase anyways. And then um, the last thing for the luteal phase, I would say is complex carbs, um, because it's very normal, ladies, to crave more carbs leading up to your period. It's absolutely 100% normal. And focusing more on like your starchy veggies, brown rice, legumes, squashes, those are going to be really great to minimize cravings. And again, also normal just to have more hunger before your period. That's absolutely normal as well. And so just making sure you're balancing your plate with the starchy veggies, protein and healthy fats. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. You know how we had the food <laughs> pyramid growing up that we learned in school with like, yeah, whatever, like the dessert on top. I need you to make one with that like follows women's cycles like here's things that you idea. should eat before and after because you know you even made a great point how bleeding is like your first day of bleeding is day one quote of your cycle I didn't even realize that for years because I think just even looking at like a pack of birth control pills for example like the last five days are your bleed and that's day like 28 29 etc so that's kind of what it makes you think is, you know, bleeding is the end of that cycle, but really it's the beginning of the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Which birth, that's like actually a withdrawal bleed as well. Um, when you're under mm -hmm. birth control, that's actually not even a real bleed. It's just a withdrawal. Mm -hmm. It's just from the placebo pills. So a lot of women who think like, yay, birth control balanced my hormones. And like, they really didn't. They just gave you a fake bleed, so to speak. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like all for nothing. 
Yeah. <laughs> as you were as you were describing though the different types of movement and the different types of foods that um, work really well with your cycle, I was feeling really validated um, and just some of the things I experienced. And so I'm really you know I'm really hoping that our listeners also feel really validated and that. Go, I love it when you said going against what your body needs and what it can benefit from versus going with the flow, which I love that now that you mentioned that that's where you think that's <laughs> Doesn't where it make sense? From. It's amazing. Um, it's, it, it can just wreak so much havoc, um, even more havoc on your body if you're going against what it needs or what can benefit you, what can help with your um, hormones. And so, yeah, I think it's just awesome that, like you said, one size doesn't fit all when it comes to this stuff, but just that general overview you gave us, I think sounds awesome and sounds really helpful. So thank yeah. you. Yay, good. Mm-hmm. Yay for validation sometimes. <laughs> yes, it is very validating. <laughs> yes. Because... I noticed I struggle with that as a fitness instructor. I've only been doing this for call it like six months now and I teach cycle. And then I also weight lift on my own time. And with cycle, it's like, I don't have the option to just take off and, you know, after ovulation, not do these hit workouts, unfortunately. So I really have struggled with, you know, in the later part of my cycle being like, oh my God, I don't have any energy. Like it's so hard to do this, but I have to show up. So I feel like I'm going to start making like the little bit easier <laughs> rides, like the second half of my cycle and everyone will just be cycle syncing with me in my classes. They just don't have to know it. <laughs> I'm about to say, or how awesome would it be to create cycle classes based on like ladies who's in your follicular phase. Here's a right, follicular exactly. cycle. <laughs> and then here's a more chill cycle because we're all in our luteal phase. I love that. Right, exactly. I do too. Like we're going to do more soulful songs in the loop yes. phase. More like hit EDM during the yes. molecular phase. Yes, that's exactly. a great idea. That's a new business idea. I love I it. I know, exactly. But then we have to teach everybody what those terms mean as well. Yeah. As we yeah, should, yeah, yeah. right? They're important yeah, terms right. to know. So <laughs> it's education and movement. Yeah, I love that. Yes, Absolutely. So do you see a lot of clients coming in that have irregular period symptoms that don't even realize that they're irregular, like whether it's migraines or extreme cramping, things of that nature? Yeah, for sure. Um, Again, I think this goes back to like when we're in high school, we're taught like, throw a Midol, throw an Advil, like just part of being a lady. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. (laughs) We actually should be, our cycle should be very awesome. Like, it, it, again, like I said, easy to be a little bit more tired, um, knowing something's a little bit off. Like I usually know I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm starting soon because I feel like my uterus is even like, it feels a little different, not painful by any means, but just different. So like, that's how they should be. And then obviously if you don't feel it at all and you're like, oh, it's my cycle, then that's great too. But I think we were like taught differently of pe- painful periods and all this stuff is like normal when it's not um, because all those symptoms can show that there's something more going on. So um, since I already stated like painful cramps, um, that can be a sign of like having too much estrogen. Um, Also signaling that there's high levels of prostaglandins, which are um, hormone-like things. And they are there because they help shed the lining, like stimulate the, uh, the uterus lining to shed. Um, but when we have too much of them, they can cause cramps and they can also cause, um, a lot of like tender boobs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and too much diarrhea, uh, or actually just diarrhea in general, not too much, just diarrhea. So if you're having a lot of runny, runny poops around your bleed, or even right before that's signaling that there's too many prostaglandins, which also are, is known as having too much inflammation. So you have a lot of inflammation mm-hmm. going on around in your cycle, Um, and then also going back to tender boobs, that also can mean that there's too much estrogen in the body. Um, your boobs are very sensitive to hormonal changes. And so, um, if you're having like so much sore boobs that like taking off a bra is like out, then that's a big signal that something's going on. Um, and then yes, headaches is another one. Um, you should never be, like I said, hitting any rock bottom, intense mood swings, really, really extreme headaches. I think it's just a little natural to, again, feel a little off. But I mean, if you're getting Mm -hmm. migraines and something intense, yeah, that's not normal. 
Um, they can also be from your hormones dropping. And like I said, the whole point of them dropping stimulates your period. Um, Mm -hmm. So your hormones are naturally dropping per usual on the roller coaster. So it's a little bit normal, but they could be dropping too low or there's something going on. Um, We love testing hormones through urine because it shows so much more. Um, And there's different types. You can just do it after you ovulate for like 24 hours or there's something called cycle mapping, which you actually pee on all these strips. You're so sick of peeing on these strips for so long <laughs> because you do it throughout your cycle. And basically you yeah. can see like just the flow of estrogen rising, lowering, same with progesterone. And it's really cool to see that. So you can, you know, start logging your symptoms. And if you tend to have headaches, we can kind of correlate and see like what your hormones were doing there, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really definitely really, yeah, go ahead, Em. <laughs> I think we we're going to say the same thing. That's really interesting. And so is, um, with all this testing, and is this how you help women manage those more intense period symptoms is by first understanding their hormones and maybe what's hormonally imbalanced or what's going on for them? And then do you help them by helping those hormones or is there other tactics too. Is that question make sense? Yeah. No, no, no. That makes sense. Yes. We're definitely a fan of testing, not guessing. If you want to guess, you can read stuff on social media, to be honest. And, (laughs) or you can go to Google and we all know when we go on Google, we absolutely are going to die. We have all have cancer apparently when you go on Google. So yeah, um, that's why we don't want to go on Google. (laughs) We're all just going to die tomorrow. So, um, that's not what we want. So yes, we always love testing to see what's going on because a lot of the hormone symptoms, whether it's estrogen dominance or low thyroid or high cortisol, whatever it is, honestly, they all overlap. So it's just like, but I have all these symptoms. Like I'm struggling to lose weight. I'm losing my hair. I'm having painful cycles. It must be estrogen dominance, but actually that's not always the case. And so that's why we love testing to see exactly what's going on. And then from there, how can we improve our diet? Do we need to take any supplements? If we do, we know exactly what to recommend. And then any lifestyle changes like in movement or sleep or just extracurricular things that might be impacting stress or whatnot. I'm um, taking all of that into consideration and being able to give those personalized recommendations so you mm-hmm. know exactly what to target and what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I love talking so candidly about the symptoms of your period as well, because I think one of the reasons a lot of women aren't able to kind of get the help that they need is because it's so stigmatized to talk about like cramps or bloating or being sick or having diarrhea or, you know, all these things. For example, I know when I was in middle school and I first started my period, I had cramps so severely that I was like throwing up and I was missing school all the time. My doctor's like, yeah, birth control. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not having sex. Like, I don't know (laughs) what to do. I was like 13, 14. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess if it'll make me feel better, like, I guess I'll go ahead and do that. And then I was on and off birth control for the next like 10 years, call it. And most recently when I uh, moved to Wisconsin from Illinois and I found a new gynecologist and I was telling her I hadn't been on birth control for probably like a year at that point. And I was telling her all these different, you know, period symptoms that I had and mood swings and, you know, my whole backstory. And she just kept recommending birth control. And I'm like, respectfully, like, I just don't want to be on birth control at the moment. I I need to, like, I've had so many issues. I need to figure out what the root cause is. Like, I don't have anything against birth control, but for myself, I need to not. Like I need yeah. to take a step back and figure out what the heck is causing this or else I'm going to have it forever or at least until menopause. <laughs> it's, it's super enlightening. And I've had some really, um, I think it's really interesting. Some of the conversations I've had in um, gastro gastroenterology offices with different nurses and doctors, as well as um, gynecologists and stuff. And it's pretty mind blowing that a lot of the answers that I get and it's great because obviously we're talking, so they're wanting to learn more about this and to be able to refer people um, to utilize like, you know, diet changes and stuff. But I've had practitioners straight up tell me like, 
if this doesn't really like if this pill or whatever doesn't work for IBS or um, hormones, like we just try another pill. And right. I don't know to like hear that, I guess be admitted was kind of like mind blowing. Like I always knew that, but I think just hearing it from how do you say it, the horse's mouth or whatever. Um, yeah. I think was even more mind blowing. I don't know. It was just mm-hmm. like a, Holy crap. This is healthcare. Like, this is right. what people are turning to first though and that's scary <laughs> because right. like like your journey was you like having issues and they just wanted to do birth control because honestly that's just what's taught like a woman's right. having problems you give them birth control and like that's it like there's no digging which is why I fell in love with like functional medicine is like they're always is digging and mm-hmm. I've had people even I feel like I get the best clients ever because we get people who are super motivated to do all the things, but people who have really struggled have even done functional medicine labs that are really in depth, still like kind of no answers, but it's like, we need to keep digging. And like even things that come up as like breast implant illness. And then when they took out mm-hmm. their breast implants, all of their things are going away. So it's pretty, I think it's pretty awesome that we have clients who are like, no, I'm, I want to figure out what this is. Let's get to the root of it and feel better for good and not have to rely on like birth control is my only option, which is it's not. Right. Sounds, exactly. Sounds like me and trauma therapy. Let's get to the root of yeah. this and figure out what's going on yeah. <laughs> and not just put a bandaid on it. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah, you can take ashwagandha and CBD and all these things to help lessen anxiety, but I tell people, I'm like, that's actually just a natural Band-Aid. Yes, it's a little bit better than pharmaceuticals, but it absolutely is just a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, and those Band-Aids can be helpful, yes. right? It's also, let's, which is why I appreciated what you were saying earlier about, okay, let's do some digging and let's yes. take this really holistic approach to helping you feel better where maybe you can use those Band-Aids or coping yes. skills, as I like to call them. And let's also figure out what's going to be helpful for you in the long run moving yes. forward. Yes. Like just don't stop there. Cause a lot of people right. are like, I have inflammation. What can I take? Can I take turmeric or Boswellia or just all these anti-inflammatory herbs? Absolutely. But please do not stop there because there's usually so much more to the story. I'm sure you definitely feel that in therapy. There's so Absolutely. much more that's in that room <laughs> yeah. you need to get to. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know Emily um, mentioned to me earlier, she she deals with migraines, Em. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that, but do you see that often with your clients and does that ever relate to hormone imbalance or are there you know, tips and tricks to kind of manage that? Um, I would say the biggest hormone imbalance I see that with is more so blood sugar imbalances. Um, so obviously having spikes and then also having too low of lows. Um, and then why that's happening is, you know, obviously diet related, possibly too much fasting, um, or just eating foods that spike your blood sugar or skipping meals, et cetera. Um, I love, I actually have one on, you can't see it, but I have, um, we started offering continuous glucose monitors, the little thing that you put in the back of your arm that monitors your glucose 24 seven for about two weeks. And it's really interesting to kind of see the relationships of different foods because banana may spike you to 180, which is really high, um, or it only might spike me to like 110. So it's another way to customize diet Um, and also different trends. Like if you work out really well, how does that affect your blood sugar? Or if you don't like just all those different things. So I would say the blood sugar hormones are probably the top reasons I see for migraines. There definitely can be like high cortisol and all that other things, but I would say blood sugar is my number one. Um, But the other things that could be affecting and having migraines is um, like we mentioned, like under eating, just like simply not eating enough Um, nutritional deficiencies. So we do like a really in-depth micronutrient uh, panel that tests for nutrients, vitamins, minerals, amino acids inside the blood and then also what's inside your cell that's where the party takes place anyway so you want to make sure that the nutrients are getting inside the cell to do its work and the Krebs cycle and all that fun stuff you learned in high school um yeah (laughs) so I see nutrient deficiencies also being a cause for migraines and headaches and then um inflammation just in general obviously um I like to explain it in the sense of like buckets. So we all have buckets. Every person's bucket is a different size. 
um, and then how that overflows. Um, you might be kind of constantly at the top, just, um, you know, right there at the top. And then when you have a migraine, it could be like boiling over, so to speak. And that's when your bucket mm -hmm. actually tips over and you're having those symptoms. Um, so it's all about like what's kind of causing that inflammation to be right there on the border. Um, could be gut health, could be stress, could be environmental toxins, which I feel like it still sounds woo-woo. I know it won't be sounding woo-woo eventually, but there's still so much science around like BPA and phthalates and parabens and pesticides and all these environmental toxins that we're exposed to. So like, are you having trouble detoxing? Or are you getting just exposed to a lot? Like what's filling up that little inflammation bucket of yours? Um, so it can go like down different rabbit holes, but obviously when you're having symptoms like migraines, that I like to think of that bucket is tipping over. And so it's like really wanting to get to the root of what's filling that up. Um, but blood sugar would probably be my first place to start if I had to start somewhere for migraines. Hmm. That is absolutely fascinating. I, I had no idea that all those things could be related to your hormones um, or migraines and related yeah. to relating to your hormones. And um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And yes. I know we've been talking a lot about hormones. Is there anything you want to share with us about gut health? I mean, I'm sure you could share hours worth of stuff about <laughs> gut health and, you know, how it seems like we touched a bit on how gut health and hormonal health are related, but is there anything you want um, to share about gut health? Um, I would say, yeah, the biggest connection with hormones and gut health is um, there's an enzyme in our gut called beta-glucuronidase, and that enzyme can be high um, when your bacteria is imbalanced. Um, so we have like our good bacteria, and then we have our opportunistic bacteria, which are things like E. coli and strep and staph, and all these things are naturally found in the gut. But when they're at too high of levels, they can throw off this enzyme. And what this enzyme can do is like, you know, like I mentioned, when you were done with hormones, it goes through the liver and goes through the gut to get out of the body. But with this high enzyme, it can actually reabsorb these hormones. So that's why like estrogen dominance is an issue and why gut health could be a root cause for that. Mm -hmm. um, but in the concerns of gut health, I think we all have to still look at the main things that could throw gut health off um, outside of the things that are kind of out of our control, like being born vaginally versus C-section or living in a city or living rural that also influences our microbiomes, which is really interesting to think that someone in the city just has a different microbiome than someone that lives on a farm, which yeah, we're, you know, we're exposed to different things. Mm -hmm. Um, but the things that we do have control over is diet, um, too, like I mentioned earlier, too restrictive diets can harm gut health. And then obviously like what you're eating, if you're eating a lot of sugars and all that, that's going to feed not ideal things like yeast and those opportunistic bacteria, um, as well as stress downregulates your immune system. And then that allows things to be overgrown and uh, medications as well. And this goes for not just antibiotics and antacids and all the things that are obviously going to impact gut health, like stomach, but it also is going to be things like metformin and Tylenol and all these things that can influence our detox and our microbes in our gut. So any, the more medications you're on, the higher likelihood you're going to have like gut health issues. So if we can even focus on reducing stress and optimizing our diet and making sure that we are digging for the root and not as much as possible relying on other pharmaceuticals or medications, that would be awesome for gut health. Mm -hmm. And if you had just one tip for, I know it seems like a lot and that's kind of what I've noticed on my journey is like, do I start focusing on diet first to figure out my hormones or eliminate like all the plastics in my house and all the chemicals and cleaning supplies and all that good stuff. Is there one thing that you would, you know, kind of suggest our listeners to focus on first and then integrate all the other stuff into their life? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like diet. Um, mm -hmm. I, of course, like, and I started off super slow too. I think most of us do. Um, like even things like spices, I, as I slowly ran out of a spice, I replaced it with like an organic, better quality one. Um, so mm -hmm. even just slowly making dietary changes, that's probably 
my number one thing I would focus on. Um, I know I feel like everything's equal, but that, and then maximizing your sleep, I think is so Mm -hmm. like, so many people, it's so underrated, but sleep is so amazing. And so even if it's like getting to bed an hour earlier, like whatever it is, like that is also key is sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love my sleep. And I feel like that's really important to know too, is a lot of people honestly just get overwhelmed and I think don't start because they're like, oh, I have to get rid Mm -hmm. of everything in my house and overhaul my diet a hundred percent. And it's just so overwhelming. They're like, I can never do this. And I've definitely dealt with that too, where I'm like, well, I'm doing 99 things wrong, but I changed one thing to the right thing. And in the, you know, the grand perspective of it, it's like, well, at least you're, you know, integrating one new thing a day and eventually you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, and sometimes I will say like, we will, depending on how intense someone's feeling, if they're feeling really bad, yeah, it will feel like absolutely like a 360. Like one day you're eating like normal and the next day you're on this like really therapeutic protocol. Um, so sometimes it feels that way, but then I don't know, sometimes the wins that you feel, obviously I wouldn't just grab anything out on the interwebs, but, um, (laughs) how good you feel and how quickly, like it's really encouraging, Um, But that's not everyone's journey. Like not everyone has to be on something so intense. It absolutely can be slow. Um, I think it just depends on like what you're struggling with. And obviously if you have some symptoms that you need to improve, uh, but for the most part you feel okay, then you can absolutely go slow. But if you're definitely feeling really intense to the point of it's affecting your work and life life, then yeah, you might need to do something a little bit more drastic, but I Mm -hmm. still would do that under the consulting of whoever you're working with for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you know Absolutely. you're doing for your body. Yeah. Yes. We always say talk to a professional. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, it's so interesting. I've seen so much um, from our conversation, so much overlap in how we approach hormones and how we approach uh, mental health, right? Because I was telling my clients that. too, like, we're going to take things slow. Like, we're not just going to do all these drastic changes overnight because that's going to overwhelm your system. So let's try to take things slow. And then sometimes we might need a drastic change, yeah. right? If they're suicidal or if they have a very bad um severe eating disorder. So yeah, it's definitely interesting just how much overlap I'm noticing and how we approach our hormones and how and gut health and how we approach our mental health. And they're all related as we've discussed. So makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I love that. Well, we want to be really respectful of uh, your time. So thank you so much for meeting with us today. I feel like we had an amazing conversation. Do you want to let everybody know like your handles and website and where they can find you? Yes, I know you guys were awesome. Um, I am mostly on Instagram at Nuvi True Wellness, N-U-V-I-T-R-U Wellness, all one word. Um, that's where I'm mostly at. I also am on Facebook. But when I say that, I'm like, is anyone really on Facebook? Yeah. I feel like I gotta say that. <laughs> I'm not anymore. <laughs> I know, right? Like no one's on Facebook. Um, and then our website is www.newbetruewellness.com. And then our process, actually all what we offer is on our website. We're super transparent about how we work. Um, pricing and all that. Um, we want to make sure that people are just aware of, at least for me, I love, I love when companies put that stuff on because then I can like, you know, do my research and just know who they are um, mm-hmm. before I get started. But the next steps would be booking like a free 15 minute phone call with me um, just so we can assess like what's actually going on and then how much time do you need, et cetera. Um, and then my podcast is Functional Nutrition Radio. I used to do awesome interviews, but um, it's just solo. So just every week I'm talking something gut or hormone related. And then um, I'm also kind of diving into YouTube. I really don't share about, oh, awesome. share about it, but I am on there. And it's just more of a, right now when I make videos, it's just like SEO and just like, you know, just being able to be found. I don't really promote it. So I'm officially going to promote it for the first time. YouTube. New Yay. <laughs> we, we are honored. <laughs> love diving into new stuff. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciated this interview. Yes. And we have all your links, so we will put them um, down in the show notes so we can make sure everybody can find you. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. Thank yes. You. Thank you. It was great to meet you. Bye. 
And that wraps up today's episode. As always, if anything resonated with you, make sure to reach out to a licensed professional therapist. And if anything resonated with you in terms of the diets that we talked about or the food preferences, of course, make sure to reach out to a medical professional. And we have a bunch of fun interviews coming up, so make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review for us. All right, we'll catch you next week. Love you, Em. Love you, Ash. Bye.